looked at the role that preaching has in a healthy church. A healthy church has preaching that is biblical, and, uh, and we talked about the, the, the central message of, of preaching and, and what that is and who that is, and that leads us to good theology. Our knowledge of God, the study of God, has to be uh, a biblical as well. And you remember that message, and we went to the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus Christ, and that's why we gather to celebrate this morning. We gather to, to celebrate that good news and to worship the author of that good news and to worship the Lord God Almighty. Jesus Christ allows us by his death and resurrection to come into a relationship with God Almighty, our creator. And this is the good news that we who are uh, sinners can be forgiven and saved. And then last week we talked conversion. When someone is saved, they're converted Jesus said, unless you are converted and become like a little child, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. We, our lives are turned around by, uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ as we repent and turn to Jesus by faith and believe in him. There's a conversion that happens. We're changed by the gospel, by the Lord Jesus Christ, and that leads us to membership. Once we are converted, then we're called to become a part of a local Christian group of people. That's the church. That's a Village Bible Church here in Aurora. You're called as a Christian to be part of this church. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. You're going to have opportunities to hear that good news this morning and to respond to that. And if you do respond to that by faith in Jesus Christ, you are then called by God to be part of this group of believers and to be part of this church and to be a member of it. It is an important thing. It's incredibly critical. Now, I have to admit that at first... I wasn't uh, very excited when I was given the topic of membership to preach on for my first message here in Aurora, okay? What about David and Goliath? That would be a good one. Uh What about heaven, the joys of heaven? Um, Maybe John 3.16, that would be familiar to, to many. But church membership? Well, I've been a pastor for the last 10 years, and you think I would know better. Um, church membership is not boring. It's uh, not irrelevant. It's, it's, it's a phenomenal thing. It's a, it's a critical part of a healthy local church. And so I've prayed this week. Let me just know, let you know how I prayed. I prayed this week that God would give me and you open eyes and open hearts to understand how great and glorious this thing is called being a member of the local church. But membership has gone out of style in our day. Now you remember in years past, there's a lot of different organizations that had a lot of members. The Lions Club, the local lodge, the Rotary Club, PTA. Now those things still exist today, uh, but their membership has, has uh, declined dramatically. How about the church? What about membership in the church? Listen, listen to these uh, staggering statistics. Mainline Protestant denominations continue to decline, according to the 2012 Yearbook of American and Canadian Churches. We're talking the United Methodist Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Presbyterian Church USA, the United Church of Christ. All of these have reported decreases in membership. For several years now, as well, the Southern Baptist Convention has declined and decreased as well as the Roman Catholic Church. But you know, there is a church whose membership roles are growing. Can anybody guess what that church is? It's, what's that? No, but uh, I'm thinking of, okay, I'll give give it away a little bit. 
It's the Church of Jesus Christ of... Yeah, their membership has increased. Why the decline? Well, many different reasons could be given, but the simple answer is that many people view church membership as nothing more than having your name on a list, on a roster. Many people believe that churches just want people to be members so that they can have more people in attendance. They can report better attendance and increased giving. It's a cynical view, no doubt, but uh, one that many people do hold. And if that is all the church membership is, having your name on a list or filling out a card somewhere, then it would be boring and it would be impractical and not important at all. But being part of a local church is, biblically speaking, so much more than having your name on a list. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10 and let's start back up to verse 19 as we look today at this topic, this mark of a healthy church being part of a local church, being a member. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that is open for us, that he is open for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet with one another, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. People tend to get serious when they see the end. Yesterday marked the end of a four-week uh, weight loss challenge that my wife and I took at our, our local doctor's office. And uh, diet and exercise is what this boiled down to. Uh, no refined flours or sugars. Ouch, that hurts. That means no bread, no ice cream, no pop, no cookies, no fruit juice. Fruit juice, I thought that was good for you. Fruit juice, no. Um, when I started, it was easy for me to cheat because the, the weigh-in day was four weeks away still. So I could cheat rather easily. But the last few days, it was harder because I knew the end was coming near. The end was drawing near. Yesterday was our weigh-in day. And so um, people tend to get more serious when you see the end. And you realize it. Now people do this when they see the end of their life quickly approaching. Let me tell you about Brian. True story. Brian was the life of a party. He was a good guy. He, he was. He just liked to do drugs. That led him down some troubling paths. And Brian eventually landed in prison. Uh, when he got out, he managed to stay um, sober for a time. He uh, held down couple of different jobs he had some steady work and he started to have headaches and his uh, balance was uh, unsteady he was unsure of himself and and uh, he didn't know if he was just getting older and his he couldn't handle the partying like he once was uh, able to handle but but then he 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 stopped partying and he still was having these headaches 
So he went in and had a round of tests, and the doctors told him that he had a grade 4 glioblastoma. That's the deadliest of all brain tumors. They needed to do surgery. They needed to do it right away. They scheduled it for two weeks away. Brian was 31 years old, and the surgery was coming. It was scheduled for two weeks. What did Brian do? He partied as hard as ever. He went uh, all night, slept all day, and got up and did it again over and over again and he was in despair now the day of the surgery came the doctors were able to remove 96 percent of the tumor great news until you realize that that tumor always comes back unless by a miraculous miraculous work of god but it always come back and it comes back faster and stronger the doctor said maybe two years at best brian began to sober up he had had his weeks of partying before this surgery, but now the doctors told him the full story. They had been in his brain. They had seen exactly what was going on, and uh, the, the results were not going to be good. He slowed down. He re-examined his life. Brian actually came to church. He came out to West Lisbon. I saw him sitting in the pews there. I had known him, but not known him very good, but then our relationship began to deepen because he, he wanted to know uh, the truth about what, what was to come. He knew that uh, he was going to step into eternity soon, and he wanted to know the truth. And by God's grace, God saved him. He accepted and believed in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and his life began to change. He didn't party the way that he used to. He got serious. God turned his life around, and I had the honor of baptizing Brian as a believer uh, three weeks before he went and met Jesus. He saw the end coming. And because the end was near, he got serious. Now look in our text this morning. We see here that the the end is coming. The the day is drawing near. The end of verse uh, 25. What is that? What is that day that is drawing near? Anybody tell me? Jesus is returning. That day is coming where Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is going to come back and he's going to make all wrongs right. He's going to come back in his swift and terrible and righteous judgment upon sin and he's going to set up his kingdom to rule and reign forever and ever here. It's called the new heavens and the new earth. That day is coming and it's going to be a terrible day for those who are lost in their sin, but it's going to be a glorious day for those who are bought by the blood of the Messiah, of the Lamb. And that day when Jesus comes back is right around the corner and all the more when you see that coming what should you do the writer of hebrews tells us what should you do do not neglect to meet together so the end makes us take things serious and the thing that we need to take serious here in our text this morning is not to neglect getting together being part of the church being a member of the local body of christ membership does matter now the question is Why does it matter? And that's why I want to explore with you this morning. Why does this membership matter? And so we're going to look at three major areas where it matters and uh, look in detail, in in depth, in some of those different areas. And we're going to use various scriptures to do that. And we ask that the Lord would be our teacher this morning. It is critically important that we are a member, an active member of our church, our local church. First, let's start here. Church membership matters practically. Church membership matters practically. It means it's useful. The church has practiced membership since the very beginning. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to the book of Acts. 
Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has come upon the disciples who were meeting, gathering together. Peter gets up, he delivers the first sermon in the history of of the church in Acts chapter 2. The people are convicted of their sin. They have crucified Jesus Christ, the Lord. And you get down to verse 37 of chapter 2. The people cry out, what shall we do? Verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Verse 41, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So somebody's keeping track. There's added 3,000 souls. Now, to, to what were they added? Well, you see back in chapter 1, verse 15, In those days Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was about, in all, about 120. So the early church is keeping track of the members. There's 120, and then 3,000 were added to that 120, right? The the opening of the church, the, the coming of the Spirit of God promised by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it was just very practical. They kept track of who the members were, of who who the believers were. And then you look at Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of these and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There's not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as he had need. So they were keeping track of their people. Nobody was in need. Anybody that was in need was, um, was known to the church, and their need uh, was met. You go to Acts chapter 6, starting at verse 1. In these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And it goes on to say how they were going to rectify that problem. So they had a list of widows, members in the church who were widows. This is a practice of the early church. Now, these questions were very practical. How many people? Who is in need? What do they need? Who has been helped? There, there is a list. But remember, if it's just a list, uh, that's not a mark of a healthy church. It's much more than that. And so then you get to places like 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. The apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's saying there's somebody among you who's uh, committing adultery with his father's wife. Why is he allowed to be part of your church? Get rid of him. Get rid of the unbeliever who is committing this. And it, it seems that anyway he's okay with it and rather proud about it get rid of him as a church body he he cannot be a confessing christian he's not living as a believer and then in second corinthians quite possibly speaking about the same situation second corinthians chapter two paul the man has has repented 
And Paul says to the church in Corinth, take the man back, receive him back in love. So there was a local church where these things were happening, loving one another, but also disciplining one another. And this is the practice of uh, the early church. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul meets with the elders of the church in Ephesus, the church that he helped to start. The Lord started it, but Paul was there, used by the Lord. He started the church in Ephesus, and then it was time for him to leave. He'd been there three years, and he met on the docks. He's about ready to leave with the elders, and in tears said goodbye, and he said, I charge you to take care of the flock of God that he's given you. Because there's wolves that are going to be coming, so be careful, take care of watch over the early church had membership even though the word is not found in the new testament the concept can clearly be seen throughout its pages so church membership matters practically secondly church membership matters personally it matters personally god created people to be in relationship with one another He didn't create us to be alone. In the beginning, God created Adam, but he didn't stop there. He created Eve. It's not good for man to be alone. And so there was somewhere in the mind of God the knowledge that man does better with other people than just by himself. Do you believe that to be true? You do better with other people than you do by yourself? I'll give you a personal and painful illustration. When I was single, I was a mess, okay? Uh, laundry all over the place, dishes uh, dirty, uh, personal hygiene was questionable, okay? And then I got married to my wife, and I'm a better person than that. Now, don't ask her how much better, because it might not be that much better, but I'm better because I'm with her. And we're better as a people when we're together. God creates us to be in relationship with one another. There are some people who call themselves Christians who refuse to be part of of the local church. They say, I'm in charge of my own home. We're going to read the scriptures here in home, but we don't have to be part of that larger group. This is our home, is our church, and God doesn't create Christians to be by themselves. So let's start here. As we're in relationship with one another, in the church specifically, church members are accountable to one another. Church members are accountable uh, to one another. We see that here in Hebrews chapter 10, back to our, our text that we're kind of bouncing in and out of here this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works. Uh, we're accountable to one another. How can we help each other serve God better? How can we help other people to love and to do good works for the Lord in the local church? When you are accountable to someone, You have to give an answer to that person for the way that you're living and what you're doing with your life since you are a a member of the local church or a professing Christian. You are accountable to others. First, we are accountable to the leaders of the church. Look at verse or chapter 13, verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says this, Remember your leaders... Those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. First, as a member in the church, remember your leaders. They taught you God's word. 
imitate their life. Uh, let them be an example to you. That's important, but then it, it gets deeper than that. God's Word always takes us deeper. The Lord takes us deeper. Verse 17 of chapter 13 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Obey your leaders and submit to them. We're accountable to our leaders in the church. So a person's converted, they're saved. God saves them. Then they're part of this local community, this local church, and they're growing in their faith. They're growing as a Christian. They're, they're still sinning and falling, but they're, they're growing. The, the direction of their life is onward and upwards uh, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and God is sanctifying them. But along the way, there's challenges that come, and uh, the leaders of the church are to help that person in love become more like Jesus. And so there's an accountability aspect to it. Now, the word tells us then to obey and submit to these leaders. Now, is that easy? There's one honest person that said, no, I heard it in this general direction. To obey and submit to your leaders. How many of us like to submit and obey? How many of you here obey and submit and the hair on the back of your neck stands up? Why is that? Well, let me just give you three reasons why we don't like to obey and submit. First, how about this? Because my way is always the best way. Because my way is always the best way. And so if I'm called to obey and submit, that means I'm obeying and submitting to somebody else's way, and we all know that my way is the best way. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone our own way. We've turned astray. Proverbs 14, 12 said, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So let me just tell you out of love here, brothers and sisters, this morning, your way might not be the best way. And in the local church, the best way is God's way, and God's way is to place leaders among us that we are to obey and to submit to as they serve Jesus Christ and we serve together. God says, Isaiah 55, 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways. And so this is God's way. It might be different from our way, but it is the way. And the way for salvation is not our way either. We think we want to work hard to, to earn salvation. But all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We've each turned to our own way, but Isaiah continues, but the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so even as we come to the Lord in salvation, we realize that our way is not the right way. It's God's way. And God's way for the church is that we were to be, as members, to be accountable to one another and accountable to obey and submit to our godly leaders. How about this reason why we don't like to submit? Because I'm embarrassed by my sin. If I obey and submit, I'm going to have to admit my sin. Now, we Christians, how many of you are Christians here today? We Christians, we have lists of sins that are acceptable to talk about and those that aren't acceptable. We can talk about pride. We can talk about a lack of discipline. I need to spend more time in my quiet time. I need to pray a little bit more. Can you just pray for me? I'm just really having a hard time reading through the Bible this week. I try to read through the Bible every week. I'm, just, I'm having a hard time this week. Can you just pray for me? There's unacceptable things, though, that we... It's harder for us to talk about, right? There's uh, pornography. There's lying. There's doubts that come. 
is this thing even real? We don't want to obey and submit because we're going to have to admit our sin. And that's scary. And that's hard. And I want those leaders. I don't want other people to, to know that junk. And you see, that's the lie of the devil. Satan wants you to believe that as long as you don't tell anybody, you don't really have a problem with it. And so it stays in the dark, and in the dark is where it has power. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from unrighteousness, and we have fellowship one with another. So we bring those things to light. That's what the enemy doesn't want us to do because he knows that when it comes to the light, that's where the healing happens. That's where the forgiveness comes. That's where the fellowship happens, fellowship with one another. And this happens in the local church as a member of the church. So my way might not be the best way. It is hard to admit your sin, but walk in the light. And how about this reason why not to obey and submit? Well, because if I obey and admit my sin then I'll be vulnerable. They'll know my sin, and then I'll have a weakness. They they got something on me. They know that thing about me, and I'm going to be in a vulnerable place. The church is a place for the vulnerable. The church is a place for the sinner. The church is a place for the downtrodden. So don't let that be an excuse that you will be vulnerable. You will be. But in the church, that's where you find the love and acceptance of Jesus through other members, through other believers. So we're accountable to one another, to the leaders, and then members are also responsible for one another. We're responsible for one another. The leaders are responsible for the people that they're holding accountable now listen to this, because some of you might think, man, I want to be one of those leaders because I want to have people obey and submit to me. And that seems attractive to you. But now there's a second part of that verse, 17, that's very scary. Look at it. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Here it is. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. The leaders in the church have to give an account for your very soul. That's why James says, um, don't be so quick to want to teach uh, because you're going to have to answer to the Lord uh, for what you teach. You're going to be judged with greater strictness. This is a daunting thing. Um, But we're responsible for one another. The leaders are responsible for the people and the people for one another. I had this experience just this past Sunday at uh, Sugar Grove campus, the church in Sugar Grove. Uh, after church, the membership met to talk about a couple of discipline matters with some people, with some folks. And I'd never been a part of that. Church that I came from, we, we didn't have a mechanism for church discipline. Um, and, and so I, I'd never seen it. I was curious as to what it was going to look like. I uh, technically, as one of the elders at the Sugar Grove uh, campus, um, was one of the ones doing the discipline, but I, I didn't really have any intimate knowledge of the, of the details other than what was shared amongst us and what we prayed about, but it's been going on for some time. So I didn't know what this was going to be like. I wasn't going to say anything in this meeting and in this gathering together. But <clears throat> as we gathered together, what blew me away is the love in the room for one another. Even the care from the, the leaders, it wasn't to be heavy-handed with somebody. It wasn't to knock someone down. It was to hopefully bring them back. 
It was to hopefully corral them with our arms of love and with the love of Jesus Christ, they would come back. And, and I really felt that in this place. I looked around, I said, this is the real deal. This is the church. Church is just not coming to a service. Church is not just coming and singing songs. Church is not just coming and, and listening to the, the preacher. This is a, a, a real family. You're a member of a body, a people who care for one another, who will go to bat for one another, who got your back. And I felt that in that room at that place, that there was church discipline happening, but the goal was what the Bible teaches, to bring a brother back to the Lord and to encourage those around. And, and it was a sobering thing because nobody in that room, I can't see everybody's hearts, but the, the, the feeling that I got was nobody in the room was thinking that I'm so much better than the people that were judging. No, everybody in the room said that could be me anytime, and hopefully these brothers and sisters would do the same for me. And that's what it, that's what it looks like in the church. When we're a member, when we're serious about what God has called us to. So church membership matters uh, personally. And then finally, church membership matters publicly. Publicly. God's witness in this world has always been through a people. It's always happened through people. Now sometimes I have thoughts about how, how I would like God to do certain things. Have you ever thought that way? Uh, my thought on this is that um, if God really wanted to call people to salvation... He should just show up in the sky every day at the same time and say, I'm here, uh, I'm alive, Jesus Christ died for your sin, receive him by faith today. That would be a, a great method of evangelism, I think, in my mind. But I'm not God, and my ways are not his ways, and his ways are not my ways, and his way is that he always works through a people. God called a person, Abram, Abraham, to be father of the nation of Israel. It was through these people that God would bless all the nations of the earth through the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And it was the people of God who believed in the message of the Messiah, who gathered together in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost Sunday, where God promises to bless again, where God promises to save. It's in the local church. In the early church, the days of Pentecost, God's people began to meet and the word went out and the word spread and, and the, the apostles went out to various parts of the world and pretty soon churches began to multiply. These members began to grow. Churches began to grow and, and it was all of a sudden all in Rome. Nero didn't like that. He persecuted the Christians. He killed the Christians. He set Rome on fire and he blamed it on the Christians. Hopefully this would get rid of this thing called the way. Hopefully it would get rid of these members of the local church, but it didn't. Rather, under persecution, the church continued to grow and it continued to spread. And in the 300s, by that time, Constantine had to recognize Christianity as a, as a legitimate religion. And it, it, it continued to grow. And God blessed the growth and the members grew and the church began to spread all throughout the world and uh, the word spread here to aurora as this church started and the word continues to go forth in power the lord does here on galena and randall road the lord jesus is building his kingdom and he builds his kingdom through his people are you his people What are our, we supposed to be as his people? Well, first, we're supposed to be a people who love. This is a public rep representation of God 
as we love one another, people know that we are the Lord's. Jesus said this in John 13, uh, 35. By your love, people will know that you're my disciples. And so we love one another. The way that we treat one another in here makes a difference out there. Uh, let me tell you a story of Burl Owens. Burl was a guy who <clears throat> came out to church some years ago. He came because he was at uh, the, the end of his rope, and he came to the only place that he, he, he knew uh, of a, as a church. And the reason why he knew that was because 25 years earlier, when he was a little kid and their family didn't have any food, people from the church that I was at went out to his home at Christmas time and brought him bags of groceries. And 25 years later, when he knew he needed help and he was at the end of his rope, he went back to that church. And he came, and God saved him, and I got to baptize him as well. It was a glorious thing. But see, the love that we have for one another and for outsiders is a display of God's love for people. So how are we loving one another? A people who love. How about a people who practice the ordinances? Part of being a member is that we get together and we celebrate and we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back. Until that day, the day's right around the corner. Time to get serious. But until that day comes, we gather together and we eat the bread and drink the wine as a remembrance that Jesus Christ gave of his body and blood for us. And we do that on a regular basis to remind us that we proclaim his death till he comes back. And we see people get baptized. People are baptized. That's a mark of entering into this church. And so we celebrate that together. Then we're also a people who proclaim the gospel. And we've heard about that, and Travis preached about that. We're not a people who have just cleaned ourselves up, and we've gotten good, so now God accepts us. No, that's not the gospel. We are all sinners who have gone astray. We are the liars, the cheaters, the stealers, the adulterers, the addicts, the hypocrites. All of us were once destined for hell, but now because of Jesus Christ, we're forgiven and we're cleansed for all unrighteousness. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us so that we could have his own righteousness. So now that you would die today and stand before God, he wouldn't see you and all of your sin. He would see the righteousness of his own son, Jesus Christ. That is the glorious, great news of the gospel. Do you believe in Jesus this morning? Have you returned from your sin and embraced him by faith? And then finally, we are a people who will not fail. We are a people who will not fail. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18 to Peter, listen to these words. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The church has seen its scandals. Go back to the time of the Reformation, the selling of indulgences to get people out of hell if they just give enough money. The prosperity preachers sell Jesus as a, a genie in the sky. And if you just put the right things in, it's a heavenly vending machine, he'll give you the good things back. How about pastors who are having affairs, who are selling out to sin and, and damaging the church? The church has its scandals. The church has its sin. But hear me, we will not fail, not because of us and our sinfulness, but because of our senior pastor, the Lord Jesus Christ. We will not fail. Christ is in us. He is the hope of glory. We are his people. We are bought with his blood. We're sealed by his Holy Spirit, and, and, and we're not going down. 
Jesus is coming again, and he's going to restore his kingdom, and his people will be with him forever in glory. Now, here's a challenge to some of you. You've maybe uh, been around the church. Maybe you've been dating the church, and, and you, need to, you need to commit. And you need to see that the day is coming soon. You need to see that it's not just having a name on a list. You're invited to come into this community in a serious way. Become a member today. Go through the process. Say, I'm in. I'm, I'm in on this thing. Not because they're not sinners here. They're all sinners, but I am too. But Jesus is the great Savior. And I want to get serious about uh, my life with Him and in His church. Maybe some of you are members, but you haven't taken time even to think about it in this way. Know this today. It's a serious thing. It's a joyful thing. It's a glorious thing to be part of the body of Christ. So rejoice in that today. Give thanks to God, your Savior, for saving you and for placing you amongst his people. It's for his glory. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for um, saving us. Uh, Thank you for, for letting us be a part of your people. Lord, as your people, forgive us for our sins. As your people, uh, fill us with power to be your witnesses here on earth as we love one another, as we uh, get together and we are your church. Help us, Lord. Give us the strength to make a difference. Uh, I I pray right now, Lord, in in Aurora here, that uh, your, your good news would go forth and change people and save them for eternity and give you all the praise and glory. So, uh, we just, uh, we agree with you on that. And uh, we ask for your strength in the days to come, days ahead, as your day comes. And we pray it in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand and uh, receive the benediction this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace today. In Jesus' name, amen.